Welcome to Paranormal the New Normal. For this week's episode, I am very excited to have a paranormal author who has many, many books that I am actually dying to read after after seeing them. And I'm happy to get the word out about them so other people can find out about them too, faster than I did. My guest this week is Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters. Lon, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How you doing today? Fine. So, you have written many, many cryptid books that, from what I could discover, and most of them look fat. Well, actually, all of them look fascinating. I'm not even gonna say most because all of them look fascinating to me, at least. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your books and what got you into paranormal? Well, I I have written total nine books. Um, there are four of them that are available now over on Amazon. Uh, those are the uh, Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids. That details the beginning of our investigation into the phenomena and uh, up into the end of 2017. Though, of course, th this phenomena continues on to this day. Uh, the second book is uh, uh, Alien Disclosure, Experiencers Exposed Reality. And this book... Uh, details the um the uh, experiencers i have worked with over the years uh, abductions encounters and such and uh, it's you know i've got a, a few specific um investigations in there but every all all the entries are actual cases that i have been involved with the next book was Wing Cryptid, Humanoids, Monsters, and Anomalous Creatures Casebook. And uh, this was uh, a continuation of some of the sightings in and around Chicago up until around the time most of the sightings started being concentrated around O'Hare International. Uh, and, um, and also several wing cryptid reports that I have reported on, worked on, and that have been given to me by experiencers as well. And the fourth book, which just came out in past February, is The Meme Humanoids, uh, Modern Myths of Real Monsters. And this deals with these, uh, these pale, hairless humanoids that are starting to be seen uh, throughout uh, mostly North America, but there, there have been several also in other parts of the world, but, uh, we really don't know what they are. They're, you know, people call them crawler humanoids. Some people call them and they go by other names like rakes and, you know, flesh gates and such as that. But, um, I have, some, I, I have some theories about that and, uh, I have some, earlier examples of uh, something of cases I think may have been a part of this, including the Slender Man as well. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the books that I have out now. Ooh, I think you and you are going to have a lot of fun when we do Creature Feature in a bit. But So what inspired you to get into Paranormal when you were younger? Oh, I was, um, I'm an intuitive. I've been involved with this ever since I was young. Um, I had an experience on the Gettysburg battlefield, which I, well, I again, lived near, very near. I used to spend a lot of time out there when I was a boy. 
and uh, this one particular summer afternoon, actually it was in 1967 or 68, I had rode my bike out there to the Valley of Death area, and um, something happened all of a sudden. It was like a huge TV screen opened up in front of me. And uh, I was seeing soldiers hearing gunfire, smelling gunpowder. All my senses were heightened. It was just like I was there for the battle. And this lasted for about 30 seconds and just suddenly stopped. And, you know, I was just bowled over. And, uh, you know, I had it, I had some inkling that something was different about me. I was able to sense spirit energy and things. But I really didn't have much of an encounter until that point. And uh, after that occurred, I, you know, I really started looking into the phenomenon more and more. And, you know, back then, you know, people didn't really talk about it back then. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in, you know, in high school in the early 70s. And, um, but I was doing investigations even back then. And, uh, you know, when I uh, eventually got out of high school, I, I moved down to Maryland, lived down around the Baltimore area for about 40 years. And I was doing hands-on investigations uh, in Maryland and Pennsylvania. Uh, it was all hauntings and uh, encounters and other uh, phenomena as well. Uh, in 1981, I had a Bigfoot encounter in Sykesville, Maryland, near Sykesville, Maryland, Maryland which uh, kind of changed my perspective on the paranormal. And I started becoming interested in cryptids as well. And uh, I kind of jumped in head first with that. Uh and then later on in 1988, I had an encounter with a winged humanoid up here in Pennsylvania, which was uh, pretty similar to what people are experiencing in the Chicago area now. So uh, why that did happen to me, did it influence me in some degree? I don't know. But uh, as time has gone on, I've looked into as much as I possibly can. And um, that's why I, I did eventually start the blog in 2005. I had been writing for, for other websites and blogs, but I decided to do my own. And uh, that's kind of where we are now, 17 years later. And um, I, I do have a team, uh, the Fams and Monsters 14 research team, that uh, we have about 20 members, that actual team members, as well as 25 other affiliate members. And when we do get a report, we try to get boots on the ground, try to get face to face with the witnesses as easy, but as best we can and, and try to do the investigation. So that's where it's culminated now. So, um, yeah, so I've been writing Fams and Monsters for uh, for about 17 years. Impressive. Very impressive. I would love to have an actual encounter with a cryptid. Well, Love is a strong word, but I would like to. I don't know how well it would go always, but I mean, there have been some attacks on the in the west on the west coast mainly, but there's been some kind of attacks out there from, I believe, it was pterodactyl-like beings described that could possibly be thunderbirds or could possibly be surviving dinosaurs like Mkole and Bembe. So it's inter that's interesting as could be. We do have a lot of we do have some comments here. Welcome. I'm not going to try to say your name because I'm going to butcher it. I know it. Welcome, Isla. Good to see you again. Happy 4th to you as well. Tamara, welcome. Always glad to have you here as well. 
And you too, Raymond. Always good to have you here. Tamara says your team sounds amazing. And I'm sure they are. That 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 number alone is just impressive for having a for an investigative team. Most I know are ten or less. Yeah, I mean these are people I trust and people who are willing to to do the work. And uh, I uh, like I said, it's really actually started with our investigations in in Chicago. Uh, but it's expanded since then, and we've got investigators and researchers all over the country now, and even in Canada. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it has worked out, and I've been really happy with it. And, uh, you know, we uh, hopefully will continue on. I hope so. Hello, Thomas, and, oh, you're a fan. Yeah, she's part of my team. Ah, Okay. <laughs> Him, Thomas, as well. Oh, okay. Well, glad to have you guys here. I'm. Yeah, there's cool people in Canada too, Tamara. I've, I've talked to a lot of different paranormal people up there. There's definitely some cool people up there. So, any of your investigations that really stick out to you as being the most interesting or most terrifying, even? Well, of course, this the Chicago Mothman or Chicago Wing humanoids have been probably the most uh, interesting and most profound series of investigations that I have ever been involved with. It's uh, you know, let alone that it's a, a winged humanoid that's being seen in, a, in an overall metro area. Uh, we have at this point now about 148 sightings that we believe are valid. Uh, and uh, we've had some pretty interesting um, witnesses as well. Uh, the, the phenomena has been concentrated for the most part in and around O'Hare International uh, since uh, October 2019. And uh, it continues on and it's, uh, you know, we come up with a few conclusions, but, you know, actually, it's it's one of those things that we we just at the best we got to collect the evidence and, and go forward and come up with uh, kind of ex whatever explanation we can come up with to kind of validate what's going on. But I think I, I think we're I think we're getting there. Uh, I don't see this ending anytime soon. Um. So uh, yeah, I'd say the Chicago sightings are probably the uh, the most profound series of investigations that we've been involved with that I've been involved with. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, the Mothman has always, or even wing humanoids in general, have always fascinated me to a great degree. I love hearing about them. I like small town monsters documentaries on, and I love, I love hearing witness stories about them as well. And yeah, they did actually, in, I think it started in 2017 or 2018. People start seeing it in Chicago again. Well, yeah, it, it actually started, the first three sightings were in 2011, uh, but it really started picking up in the spring of 2017, and uh, that's when we started getting the brunt of the sighting reports. I mean, am, am I wrong, or did, pre, or did at the time, President Trump bring that up like actual, on an actual national news? To, I, I remember reading that somewhere. If that he, he did, I never heard it. <laughs> I never heard a thing about that. I mean, I think he may have brought it up as like a 
joke really fast between like points. I don't know, but maybe I I, um... I, never, I never reading an article about that. But so Pen- you say you're from Pennsylvania? Yeah, I live in South Central Pennsylvania, about eleven miles east of Gettysburg. Any local cryptids or legends in that part? Besides, well, I mean, you know, I know we, Bigfoot. I, I know. But... Yeah, I have my wing humanoid encounter near where I live now. It's up in um, just north of here, but you know, Pennsylvania is is fortunate. I guess you want to say fortunate for investigators that there's a lot of phenomena here. Uh, we have been investigating the upright canine dogman phenomena now for almost a decade. And uh, we've been having cases more recently that have popped up again. And uh, of course, Pennsylvania is well known for Bigfoot activity all throughout the state. Uh, but the wing humanoids, a lot of UFO, a lot of UFO sightings, uh, a lot of hauntings. So, you know, it, it pretty well runs the gamut in Pennsylvania. You pretty well, um, you know, you can pretty well find something in every little location. But, uh, and of course, Penn, you know, Gettysburg being well known for hauntings. Of course. And in, in, in the phenomena there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's around here. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. I mean, of course, that's why I said, of course, Bigfoot, because Bigfoot's well known in most of the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm from Massachusetts myself, so we have a lot of the similar things because it's east, it's Northeast history. It's just a lot of it carries over the hauntings and the spirits. And yeah, the, so of course, the Gatesburg background is well known for being haunted. I've heard many stories out of that. But the wing cryptids, that's one thing I've never heard of in Massachusetts, really, unless I haven't heard of a story. But well. I, there's a lot of phenomena, strange phenomena over in your neck of the woods. You know, of course, the bridge, Bridgewater Triangle. My wife used to live on a house in the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, there's a lot of weird things that have happened up there that people have reported. Uh, I have I have spent some time up there over, over the years and have been involved with some cases up there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there. It's got its phenomena. I mean, you know, that Bridgewater yeah. Triangle has had a lot of different things, the pudge wudgies or whatever you want to call those things, and uh, other most likely indigenous entities and spirits that pervade that area around Hokomoke and around that. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of different stuff that goes on. Oh, God, yes. I mean, my girlfriend's house that her grandfather, my wife's house that, my grand, that her grandfather built, not built but he bought it like a year after being built because the residents moved out right fast apparently he looked into it and found out it was built on a native american burial ground mm. on the edge of the bridgewater triangle so this is like her house is was the creepiest house i ever spent the night in it's just you always feel like you're being watched every member of that family has sightings of something you hear strange noises outside the house at night and we believe we caught on her on a camera i bought for her bedroom like a possible extraterrestrial figure outside of her window and she feels like she's been abducted multiple times because she doesn't remember like she just w- she wakes up and she doesn't remember sleeping it, does, it, feels, like, it feels like she didn't sleep at all mm-hmm. and she's found little marks on her here and there so i tried telling her the old trick of you know sleep with your sleep with your whatever you're wearing inside out and if you if you wake up and it's right side out then that's might be an abduction that's a trick I learned on Monsters Among Us podcast from Derek Hayes, but so yeah, and I think what else in Massachusetts? Oh yeah, that's what you said that made me go like, oh, 
because I am a huge, huge fan of dogmen. So you say you guys are have been doing dogmen investigations? Yeah, we've been involved with the uh, the uh, the dogman phenomena, prey canine phenomena here in Pennsylvania and in areas just outside of Pennsylvania. Um, there are some well-known areas that have had this phenomena over time. Uh, Central Pennsylvania seems to be the predominant area in, in most recent decades, but uh, Maryland has had a lot of uh, sightings out in the western part of the state. But um, we have, ever since 2013, you know, when I was working with my my associate, Butch Witkowski, who recently passed away, but uh, we, um, we identified 26 sightings and encounters during that that period of time, but uh, historically, there's there's been a lot that has gone on even back into the mid 1800s. So uh, yeah, I mean the state itself is, is you know there's a lot of sightings throughout the state, but the central the area we call the Lichen Loop, which extends uh, from the Allegheny National Forest southeast into uh, central Pennsylvania and into uh, around the uh, Susquehanna Valley seems to have be the brunt of many of the sightings and encounters. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's something we've been looking into and we, we've got some cases that are current cases. Uh, so uh, it's keeping us busy. So have you, I mean, I know Pennsylvania's fraught with UFO and alien sightings as well. Have you actually ever investigated like an actual sighting of an extraterrestrial or just UFOs? No, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily, I have really been involved with the UFO part of it. Like I said, my partner Butch did, but, um, you know, we've got team members who, who are interested in UFO phenomena. I have ma- mainly concentrated on the, um, either the, the alien or ultra-terrestrial um, uh, infestations and abductions and such, uh, not necessarily just the UFO phenomena. All right. Yeah, I mean, we've had a few UFO sightings at our house up here in Massachusetts just because it's local belief that, because it's a mountainous area, we believe they're taking some kind of mineral or metal out of the mountain and using it to fuel their ships or something. That's the local belief. But I don't know how accurate that might be, but that's what locals believe at least. And we do have one mansion here in Gardner, Massachusetts called the SK Mansion that East Coast Paranormal is actually investigating in a couple weeks. I am actually I think it's actually I think it's this weekend when this episode drops, I'm pretty sure. Which is I wish I can go, but unfortunately I have plans that day already. I wish. It'd be awesome. So have you ever gone to New Jersey to possibly do like Jersey? No, I've done a lot of investigations in New Jersey, mostly in the Pine Barrens area. I was, yeah, I was going to say, did you ever look into the Jersey Devil at all? Or Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot that goes on there besides that. Uh, I haven't necessarily seen anything, but, um, you know, we do get a lot of reports out of there. And, yeah. uh uh, yeah, southern New Jersey in particular, and even up into central New Jersey, central New Jersey, we've had a lot of winged beings, uh, dragons in particular. We've had sightings all throughout uh, central New Jersey. So, uh, yeah, it's um, New Jersey has, a you know, even though people don't really think about or know about it, 
uh, it does have a lot of phenomena. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm from New York originally, so New Jersey kind of was like a neighbor, and I read about all that stuff growing up when I got into cryptids and paranormal, which it's interesting because when you think of, when you think of New Jersey, at least me, I know there's the Pine Barrens, but other than that, it just reminds me of I think of cities. I don't think of actual wooded areas. Well, you get into northern New Jersey, going into New York, uh, you know, west of the city, there, there's a lot of rural area up there. And uh, there have been, actually, there have been a lot of big cat sightings up there as well. A lot of bear, there are a lot of bear in that area. And uh, there have been Bigfoot sightings there. Oh, yeah. Bigfoot, I pretty much presume, is everywhere except a few states. I mean, maybe not certain areas of south, I would think, like southwest maybe. But mm -hmm. I don't know. That oh, it's there. <laughs> like, I don't think I don't think I know of any state other than Hawaii. Yeah, I was gonna say Hawaii. where there hasn't been a Bigfoot encounter, a Bigfoot sighting somewhere. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Small Town Monsters just finished shooting up their new uh, their last Bigfoot film in the series up in Alaska. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that because that looks from what the from the way they talk about it, it looks amazing. But but you said dragons. That's something that stuck in my head. You said dragon, which I mean, I yeah. I believe in sea monsters and lake monsters and all that too. So why not have winged versions of that as well? But yeah, I mean the whole winged being phenomena—thunderbirds, pterodons, winged humanoids, and and dragons and flying reptilians, reptiles, and such—it uh, kind of runs the gamut. Uh, but no, we've had a lot of those sightings, and I I know three or four sightings that we've had in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Uh, central, the central part of uh, California as well. They've had these uh, these dragon sightings, so uh, it does pop up everywhere. So it's not common, but uh, we have had these sightings. Yeah, anytime I hear that, I, every time, anytime I hear dragons in the paranormal world, I always think of supernatural. And the episode where they had to deal with one, and Bobby's like, "Dragons? What do you want me to call Hogwarts?" But it's just because it seems like dragons seem like something that could be or so mythical that they it almost seemed like they couldn't be real for a while then i have heard these things somewhat that are popping up and it's just almost unbelievable but i want to believe it because seeing a dragon would be cool from a distance i don't want to get close to it but seeing one from a distance would be very cool so have you done could i have you ever looked into any water monsters since i did mention them i know New York has a has Ogopogo and a couple others, but yeah, I don't really do a whole lot of uh, sea creature investigations or lake lake monster investigations. I have been on a few. I've been involved with a few. I've worked with a few people who have, but it's not necessarily that one area where I concentrate. You know, we got enough going on around here in this part of the country that can keeps me busy, as opposed to lake monsters. We got a lot of myths about certain lakes in Pennsylvania where there may be something in there, but uh, yeah, I uh, I I just have really concentrated on that. So, what would you say are your main areas of concentration? Just out of curiosity. Well, the winged humanoids, Bigfoot, and the uh, the upright canines for the most part. You know, whatever comes our way. I mean, we don't shy away from anything. Um, if, if I do get a case or a report. Where I believe that the uh, the witness is being sincere, is being forthright, and they have they do believe they've seen something or have had an encounter, 
then we will go forward with it. And, uh, you know, and if we do come up with something great, if not, well, that's that too. But, you know, it's, um, you know, we don't shy away from anything. Hmm. I respect that actually. But you mentioned big cats, which I've heard of the alien big cats phenomenon on the ABCs. And I mean, yes, the government admitted like in 2011, 12, at least in New York, that they were releasing big cats back into the wild since the early 2000s to try mm -hmm. to get them back in their natural habitats. Because when I was a kid, my dad and I believed when we were leaving New Paltz, New York, we were driving from his little scuba shop he used to go to when he was learning how to scuba dive. And we both saw what looked like a mountain lion tail going into the brush. And mm -hmm. at the time, my dad called the environmental people and they said, like, mm, we've had reports of it, but we know nothing official about it, which, of course, they knew, but they just were keeping it themselves. Yeah, most game commissions won't acknowledge it. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, we've had sightings, even down in Maryland. I had a sighting down in Maryland of a, uh, of a mountain lion, and they won't acknowledge it. But they're out there. And um, but the East Coast is kind of being repopulated with a lot of species now. Uh, you know, the big cats, the, the eastern pumas or what you want to call coming in from the West. Coyotes in particular are just inundating the eastern part of the United States. So uh, we're starting, you know, we're starting to get repopulations of, of uh, even infiltration of species that have been here before or haven't been here before. Uh, so, um, in a way it, it, it's kind of exciting, but it, I hope it doesn't get to a point that there's some, uh, invasiveness that cause problems. So like, like down in Florida, uh, with, uh, the pythons and, uh, and such that have kind of overrun the swamps. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I do believe that we will be getting more and more cryptid sightings of beings that are just unknown and uh or people just don't recognize what they're looking at but i don't i don't see any of that stopping anytime soon yeah i mean 100 percent. and what do you think about like black panthers being seen in, in like the midwest and east coast so i mean do you think they're really just coming up all the way from like the southwest in their own or well, there there had been some there have been sightings for a long time up into the um, in Panther Mountain area up in Wisconsin, which is just central Wisconsin up near the the Minnesota line, Minnesota border, and there had been black cats seen up there, and, um, and of course down into Florida, we've had the melanistic uh, Florida panthers that have been seen down in there, so that they have been seen. And I, I do believe they do exist. In fact, there was one captured down in Florida about a, a decade ago. So uh, they're there. I don't think they're necessarily coming up from Central America. Um, but I, I think that there there are indigenous populations of these creatures. Uh, you know, very small pockets of it, but I think they're, they're there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, you hear the word alien big cats and you think instantly like, oh, extraterrestrials. When no, it just is the basic meaning of the word alien, which means not from this area. Well, not it's just alien. like what's going on in the UK since the um, since the exotic cat uh, law was passed uh, where uh, in 1976, where people could not uh, keep these animals as pets. 
uh, instead of having them put in zoos, people are just letting them loose. Yeah. And uh, there, there is consistently big cat sightings throughout throughout the island. And, um, you know, I think they have found a way to breed in an area where it's not necessarily where they've lived or their, their species is known to live, but they've adapted. And I think m- most species can adapt to a degree. So, um, yeah, I think that's what has happened in the UK in particular, but in some degree, the same way here in the United States and into Canada, because the timber wolves have kind of made their way east as well. And many of them are starting to breed with coyotes and the coyotes and in, in, it creates a, a hybrid called coy wolves, which have been pretty predominant in southern uh, Ontario and now going into uh, New York and have some pockets have been seen in Pennsylvania. So, um, yeah, there, there are hybrids. There are there are species that are moving eastwards uh, for whatever reason. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the abundance of game and yeah uh, in in the eastern part of the United States. Um, the uh, the white-tailed deer, deer population in, in the eastern part of the United States has literally exploded in the past two decades. And uh, mm-hmm. even though there's, it's heavy pressure in hunting, it's just, it's just almost impossible to keep it at a certain level. So I think, uh, a lot of these, I think a lot of these predators have moved in and uh, they find it conducive to their needs and um, they're, you know, they're making their homes here. Yeah, I mean, like, I know the deer population has been way overpopulated for a long time. I see them hit all the time on the side of the road. I see them, I've seen three of them walk through my yard all winter long. And I don't know what happened to them, but they might move down to a different area. But, or we do have coyotes. I've seen coyotes sing in front of my front door, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, Massachusetts is just full of wildlife like that. The only thing I haven't seen yet is a wild boar. And I hear they're in Massachusetts, but I've yet to see one. Well, they're making their way. I mean, um, you know, the Midwest is southern Midwest is just loaded with them, and it's coming into the southern part of the country. And uh, I, I believe eventually they're going to move. They're going to move eastward if they're not controlled, uh, which is unfortunate because they they do tend to be a big problem with farmers. And uh, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping they don't make this way, make the way here, but they are make, they are coming, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of creatures are just spreading out more and more as we take more of their land in other parts of the nation. Now they're looking for new homes with food they can eat and things they can hunt, which that would explain 100% the wolves and the big cats and everything else that are moving around in the areas, especially, especially the Northeast. I mean, wolf sightings have been have been seen in Maine and Vermont for the first time in hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy in a way. Okay. So have you ever done any investigations into, I'd like to call them either heavenly presences or underworld presences? Uh, in particular? Like, well, Angels or demons? And oh, that more particular. And I don't like to use those words because I. Yeah, I think... well, you know, I I believe there are angels. I mean, I I I believe in guardian angels. I, I believe in these beings, uh, non-human beings that are probably most likely some type of ultra terrestrial or maybe an alien presence. 
but um, I don't necessarily like to use the word demon. I mean, evil is evil in my mind. Uh, if you got something that's evil, then you want to call it a demon, you can. That's more of a religious term as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, uh, that's that, far, that's why I called them underworld underworld presence because I yeah. don't like I don't like to call them demons either. But as far as angels go, I I have a very strong I have a strong connection with angels myself. I have used them in my clearing work. Uh, my uh, my wife was very involved with angels uh, during her lifetime, and uh, this is something that uh, we have worked on together. And it's something that I've used in my work of clearings and uh, uh, and uh, you know my uh, my intuitive work. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories on my podcast about angels, so I truly believe that whether they're angels or heavenly beings or extraterrestrials, wherever they, wherever they are, I believe they're out there and they do. But let me pose you this question. What do you think the supposed Mothman is? Do you believe it's an angel or who warns of doom or a bringer of doom, an underworld type evil creature? Now, I think there's some in being from another dimension. They're an ultra-terrestrial being. Um, and I, the reason I think well, let's put it this way. The Mothman of Point Pleasant in particular, I think, was a summoned being. And the reason I say that through all my investigations in, in the area and, and subsequent sightings that have been re received over time, uh, Point Pleasant has a very, very strong indigenous uh, spirit energy around there, in particular around the area of the, uh, the West Virginia Ordnance Works where people call the TNT plant. Yeah. And I think, and I have done research there, and I have done EVPs and such, and I have connected with whatever is there, and it's a very strong being. And um, I think that the Mothman or whatever being was summoned was brought through to help protect and uh, secure the area for this uh, for this uh, uh, this strong entity because I think it felt threatened. And the reason I think it felt threatened was because the area itself was being used by a lot of the young folk in the town area and, and, and used to spend time there. And uh, I just think that's the reason why the Mothman was, uh, was summoned. And in fact, the, the, the Mothman being was a very, was very aggressive. I mean, he used to chase these folks back up the road. And, uh, so, uh, and, you know, used to show up, suddenly with them i don't think it's a harbinger i don't believe in the harbinger theory you know that whole period of time from 66 to 67 there were approximately 30 well-known sightings but there were others and uh the fact that the uh the silver bridge had collapsed uh right before the holidays and then someone said that well they saw the mothman above it and it was a warning well i don't necessarily believe that first of all the bridge itself that did show structural damage uh, was this thing warning people? I don't believe that as well. Um, I, I think the whole Mothman Harbinger story came out of, you know, here's a town, a small town, where 46 people died in a tragedy. And I think people were looking for excuses as to why it happened. And I think the Mothman was a, a very convenient excuse. 
And of course, you know, John Keel didn't, he kind of perpetuated a lot of this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of other phenomena going on as well with the men in black or UFOs, a lot of paranormal activity associated with all of this. And uh, I think that's the, I think that's what had happened at Point Pleasant. Now, I, I still believe that this, this being or other beings are still in the area. Um, I, I think they still reside there. We do get some sightings in Mason County, you know, actually all up and down the Ohio River Valley of uh, these these winged humanoids. And uh, it still happens. It still goes on to this day. But, of course, we're getting sightings in other parts of the country as well. So, um, yeah, I think we're uh, I think that's the real story behind the Mothman. Now, as far as the Chicago goes, I, I think these I don't think they're summoned beings. But I, I, I'm pretty sure that they're all terrestrials of some type to come through some type of portal for whatever reason, which we just don't know yet. And uh, I, I think that they really, um, uh, they use it as maybe some type of rite of passage or something. Uh, but, you know, they haven't been aggressive. They just show up. They seem to show themselves to certain people for whatever reason or however they do that. But I think they do have a they do have an agenda or they do have a reason behind it, which is something we're trying to figure out at this point. Yeah, which I mean, the Mothman of Point Pleasant it supposedly killed the dog as well because uh, I forget his name, but the man who his TV and all the electronics in his house started fading in now, and he looked outside and his dog ran outside after what was out there, and all he saw was red eyes, and supposedly his dog was never seen again. So, well. You know, <laughs> reading the Mothman prophecies as opposed to watching the movie, there's a big difference. Uh, the book, I mean, the movie did not do the book justice. And uh, quite frankly, a lot of stuff that was in the movie just did not happen. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm just going to put that caveat out there. It, you know, it made for an entertaining film. But uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information in in the Mothman prophecies that just was never put on film. Which I mean, that's the case with any book made into a movie. Well, that's going to happen. I mean, it's all entertainment. It's all commercial, and you know. I mean, look at all Stephen King's books that became movies and were horrible because they left out half the book. But right. The Shining it on top of my list on that one, but so. I have a theory that I like to give this show to people like you that are knowledgeable about what I believe for ghost spirits, of, about how they be, transition into these different types we see. Now, when I, I, my belief is when a spirit first becomes a spirit, when the human passes away, if they're stuck on this plane, this dimension, then they are first a white fog, usually, or sometimes other colors. And then, as they learn more about <coughs> learn more about who their abilities is as a deceased, they become shadow people, and then eventually they learn to make themselves into full bodied apparitions that look like what they wore in life or whatever they want to look like, really, because they get more sense of their of what they can do. What do you think of that theory? My theory about spirit activity or that these are um these are earthbound beings that their energy or their life force remains on our plane or earth plane when their physical bodies pass and they're stuck here for whatever reason um 
many times they 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 have the sense that they they're not finished with life. They they're things they, they need to watch over people. They need to finish things. Sometimes they don't even know they're dead, and they don't understand why people will not communicate with them. And they try to communicate with people by touching or moving and making noise. And this is a haunting and they're trying to get people's attention uh, and they're stuck. Now that's, you know, and I'm involved with spirit rescue. That's what we try to do. We try to rescue these energies and to help them move on. Now it's, you know, any, any energy, any being is, uh, uh, has a uh, free will. Basically, if they don't want to go, they don't have to go. And they won't go. Uh, you can't force them to move on. And, um, the, you know, it, we will try to help them, but it, it just doesn't always work out that way. Now, as far as shadow beings and those those entities, the, they have nothing to do with spirit. Those are unknown beings that have nothing to do with life, previous life or uh, life force energy. The, these are basically like scavengers, and they're deadly. Uh, they're almost like a, a they're, they're like an unknown being that kind of walks down the middle of a road in the neighborhood, and they find the first house or the house where they believe they can survive by feeding off of um, dysfunction or death or any type of misfortune that, that goes on with the family of the people that are living there, and that's where they reside. And when you go into a case where you've got shadow beings, uh, you just cannot move them out. Uh, it takes the whole overall aspect of the family dynamic to change uh, for uh, things to, to calm down, for them to eventually move out. It takes time. And, uh, but in the meantime, while they're there, they're just literally feeding all people. I've been involved with cases where I've just seen people literally wither to nothing because of these beings. Uh, I've been able to help save some people, but I, you know, it just doesn't always work out that way. Uh, I've been involved with a particular, I was involved with a particular case for a, almost a decade and it just, you know, it took time and uh, it took some intervention by other folks, but we, we did get it done. And, um, yeah, so, you know, these are two different types of entities. I mean, you know, uh, even poltergeist, that per poltergeist are not a spirit. They're, they're a thought form energy that's projected by someone who's living, one of the living in, an, in a home or in a family and such. And they're doing it unconsciously. And because of doing that, even they don't realize what's going on. And it, it actually compounds itself into a real force that can cause a lot of problems. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and that's another situation where you've got to get, you know, you've got to let the person realize what they're doing unconsciously. And uh, they have to take care of that themselves. You just can't go in there and, and move it on. It's, uh, it's something that takes the help of the person who's there and even the family itself. So uh, that's basically my theory on, on, on hauntings. Which makes sense to me. I mean, I've heard both sides of the shadow people argument that I've heard they're they can be. I've I've heard theories that they're extra dimensional creatures who are just kind of slightly showing in our universe, and we don't know why. Like we don't that people don't understand why. I've heard that they're bad creatures who can invade a house and make and they live off the fighting and they live off the anger and 
they live off the emotions of the people basically and that's how they get strength exactly so, yeah so i mean they can even feed off the dead i mean i i was involved with a case where um these the uh, the victims were living near an airport that had a horrendous crash where over 100 people had died and a lot of these people's life force spirits were earthbound and uh this entity showed up uh, and it was an evil entity and and it was uh i don't necessarily know if it was a shadow person but it was evil and it was feeding off these the dead energy as well as the living energy uh it took a while to get rid of that one but it, eventually we were able to to block it off and it was forced to leave but you know these type of things do happen yeah i mean there's always got to be bad in the world there just has to be it's a balancing thing and unfortunately they have to exist but yeah i mean my theory i have no proof of it it's just a theory i like to give out and see how people react to it because i've had some people say oh that actually makes sense but i've also had people who have said before like no that's not what i believe either but everybody in paranormal has their own beliefs and i'm perfectly okay with that as everybody should be but as far as dogmen go do you believe they are evil creatures or do you believe they are a species that's always been on earth and we just are now discovering them no they've or... been around i think they're i think they're ultra terrestrial beings like most cryptids even bigfoot uh, to a degree i mean i think there are areas where bigfoot are actually indigenous beings but I think for the most part, they're an ultra-terrestrial as well. And I think Dogman falls into that category. Um, uh, in particular here, like in Pennsylvania, where we do most of our research, I, I think they have the abilities to move in and out between our earth plane and wherever they come from. And um, there's something definitely supernatural about them because I've had a lot of witnesses who have just seen them suddenly appear and disappear in a lot of instances. Now, can they be dangerous if they're cornered? Sure. I think there, there is a possibility that they're, they can become dangerous. But the fact that they can come on this earth plane, I think, does does lend to that they're possibly flesh and blood as well. And uh, that they just have a certain ability to move between between these worlds. And uh, But I think, they, I think they can become dangerous if they're forced to do so. Uh, a lot of these cryptids have what we have some type of... Um, psychic abilities or something similar to that where they can literally mind speak or or contact or getting you know with people who they come across uh to warn them or to back have them back down we've had several hunters who have had encounters where they just literally you know dropped their arms and just you know backed away because you know they, they weren't going to do anything with this thing but i think it was something that the creature itself helped cause to help uh, uh, mediate and uh, to, to stop anything bad from happening. Uh, many times the people uh, will, will describe that these, these creatures will stand their ground, but they're not that aggressive. You know, they may bluff charge a time or two, but nothing really to where they come after people and, and threaten them with harm. Uh, sure, there have been cases. But uh, I think those cases are probably uh, indigenous Bigfoot that have actually done some bluff charging or have actually gone after people. Um, but I think the uh, the ultra-terrestrial beings won't do that for the most part. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get to Bigfoot in a second. I got a few questions about that. But what do you, 
And hello, Robin from Hafner and Paranormal. Glad to have you here. And Irene also had a comment as well about moving spirits. Mm-hmm. You can't cross, cross over everyone. And sometimes you can't remove them from a place where they're bound to stay. Yeah, it's all free will. Yeah, 100%. I mean... Yeah, I mean, you can do all you can. You can kind of bring those... You can bring angels down. You can bring... Uh, whatever beings you that you use to help you in spirit rescue, trying to move them on to another plane or another level. But if they don't go, they don't go. And uh, some of them feel compelled to stay no matter the circumstances. And she's right about that. And uh, that is true. That does happen. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Ghostbusters where you can just throw a box down and capture them. No. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It's just, they are their own beings and they are going to do what they want to do at the end of the day. And if they're looking to cross over, then yes, you probably can help them if you know what you're doing. But if they don't want to cross over, they just want to stay where they are. It's like it's like trying to move a stubborn mastiff out of the way. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But but as far as I mean, I that's one of the theories I do believe about Bigfoot is that they are ultra terrestrial to some degree, because it just makes sense for how when people see them and then they go looking for them right after and they can't seem to find anything thing besides maybe a little fur stucco tree but what do you make of like the fact that Native Americans were talking to hairy tribes as they described it and that they were trading with them before white men came here well most indigenous peoples have some type of uh, lore involving a uh, hairy hominid or something uh, or whatever name they had for it. it it's mostly a, an entity from the spirit world in their mind. Now, there have been tribes that had described flesh and blood beings. And of course, uh, I, I think about the Susquehannock here and they used to reside here in, in Pennsylvania about 300 years ago, um, where they, uh, they, on their shields, they actually had images of, of a Bigfoot hairy like hominid part of, you know. And uh, some people do think that maybe they were derived from these beings because the Susquehannock were well known for being a very tall race of indigenous people. But uh, for the most part, you know, when you do talk to elders and, 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 and people in tribes and such, even today, they will tell you that these most likely are, are spirit beings uh, that they worship or part of their lore. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, and I think that that, that proves a lot as far as being a supernatural being. Uh, they, they saw these things suddenly appear and disappear as well. So I think that it had influenced a lot of the thoughts about them. Yeah. Which I mean, well, to, I mean, to talk about the few cases where they attack people, such well, we'll go back to Dogman for this one because I meant to mention this before, but I forgot to. The the case of the beast of the land between the lakes up in Michigan. No, you mean in uh, you mean in Kentucky. Oh, is that Kentucky? Yeah. Okay. I for some reason I always think it's Michigan. I don't know why, but but yeah, I mean, from the results of that case, they found a little girl brutally murdered and up in a tree. I mean, do you think it was a Dogman, actually, like they believe, or was it possibly a Bigfoot? I don't even know if that's a true story, to be honest with you. I, I've looked into a lot of the um, claims of uh, attacks, so called attacks around the land between the lakes and such. I haven't really found much proof of any of those so called 
the stories. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff evolves out of <laughs> people see something and then stuff starts to evolve as far as story wise. Uh, I really don't, I really don't have any evidence that were any actual, any actual uh, attacks or deaths associated with any of these beings in that area. And in fact, I, I really haven't, as far as upright canines and dogmen, I really haven't ever seen any real evidence of any deaths involved with any of these cryptids. Yeah, I mean, well, even with the Beast of Bray Road, you never hear of attacks, really. You hear of it possibly jumping on a car or two, but it never really attacked humans, as far as I've heard. No, they, they pretty well keep themselves, though. Um, I, you know, we, I've had uh, several associates who have done work out there and have even recently. And, uh, but there's definitely something out there. Now, is it a spirit being? Eh, maybe, maybe it's an ultra terrestrial as well. But there's a lot of paranormal activity associated with those, that phenomenon also. And that happens in a lot of these, um, these cryptic canine, uh, investigations where other paranormal activity seems to uh, be a part of it. And, uh, you know, most investigations nowadays uh, will involve other other aspects of the paranormal. Um, you know, when you talk to a witness and many times they'll hold back on something else that has happened, but eventually will come forward and say that there's something that they don't understand and maybe it's something that's associated with what they're experiencing. So, it does happen, and I think it happens more times than what people realize. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm, I'm guessing Vincent Richardson is part of your team. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just kind of a feeling I got from that. But so, what do you think about the Ape Canyon incident, as far as Bigfoot goes? Do you think that was an indigenous species in that area? The what? The Ape Canyon incident. Oh, that. Um. I, I think something happened. Well, I think something happened. Maybe not to the degree that it came out, but uh, you know that area up there around uh, Mount St. Helens has has had a lot of a lot of reports of Bigfoot activity and a lot of pretty hairy situations. Um, I no think the Ape Canyon. I think the Ape Canyon may have some fact to it now. Did, did they attack these miners or whoever these loggers were miners were because they uh, were in their territory or supposed territory? Possible. It's very possible. We had a we had a canine, uh, several canine cryptic cryptic canine attacks in Pennsylvania at a logging uh, at a logging camp back in the 1850s. And um, though we have no idea of really knowing what had happened, but apparently there were enough people to say that. You know, they were causing issues, throwing stuff at them and making, you know, making threats. Uh, I don't know of anybody that was killed, but, uh, yeah, there was um, there was some aggression involved. Yeah, which, yeah, which, I mean, that's usually what you hear is that people theorize that this is like their territory and that's why they're attacking. I mean, I know the... Olympic Peninsula, I believe it's out in mm -hmm. Oregon or Washington. Yeah, Washington. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, I haven't watched their actual video yet, but Small Town Monsters found a bunch of nests out there mm -hmm. that, that, that look like Bigfoot nests, and supposedly... Yeah, that was Shane Corson and um, 
in the uh, the uh, whatever what's that project was it Cascade project or whatever project was involved with it, but they did the, the film was good. Uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting documentary. Uh, I had Shane on my radio show uh, not too long ago, and he talked about it. Um, he he's strictly a flesh and blood theory as far as these beings, uh, you know, being indigenous beings. And uh, he, he truly believes that, that they, they do move around uh, the Olympic project. Yeah. Vincent just said it. So uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, it, it was an interesting film and you know, I, not, not that I necessarily believe in the whole indigenous theory. Uh, I do in some respects, but I think what they were dealing with there could have very well been an indigenous being, uh, group of indigenous beings. Huh, that's an interesting theory, Shannon. Underground dwellers for Bigfoot. I mean, with the cave system on the East Coast, I could believe that to some degree, but I don't know about the rest of the country, like deserts and whatnot. I don't believe there's really cave systems through the deserts like that. I think there's do- some uh, there's some evidence that there very well could be. You know, I got involved with a case out in Western Texas where uh, it seems that they were they were going underground. Uh, and actually, they a, a Bigfoot-like creature attacked a, a woman out there coming from under a, a brushy area. Uh, I had reported on the, on the blog, on my blog, and uh, I talked to the girl. She had the, actually, she showed the um, the scratch marks and the, uh, the lacerations that she incurred because of it. So, uh yeah, it, it does. Um, it does occasionally happen, but yeah, they could be underground. I, I think maybe a rogue one here or there may do that. Uh, I haven't found any evidence here in, in the east as far as that goes. Um, you know, states like Missouri and southern Illinois, where there are a lot of caves, even down in Arkansas, down the Ozarks, there are areas down there that have a lot of cave systems. They very well could, I mean, utilize that. Yeah, which you were talking about caves earlier when you were talking about rakes and pale crawlers, because that's highly believed where they come from as well. Because that's why they're pale. Because I don't know, I you know I don't know I you know I've done a deep investigation of this whole phenomenon. I just don't really know where they come from. Uh, We haven't really gotten any real information as to them being underground dwellers. Uh, It's a good theory, but you know at this point now it's it's. You know, it, it's no proof that it could be, though. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of theory about it. Yeah, which that's actually another thing. My wife saw her at the house she was at. She was in her upstairs bathroom smoking a cigarette once the kids went to sleep. And she was looking out the window, like she always does. And she saw one of these pale crawlers come into her backyard. And it was walking around and just stumbling everywhere, basically. And then just eventually walked back into the woods and walked away. But... I mean, that's right outside the Bridgewater Triangle, so what do you expect? You're going to see a lot of weird stuff. But let's go a little north, though, because what do you think about Wendigos? Well, there there are a lot of conjecture about Wendigos. Um, you, you know, Chad Lewis... And I always reference his book, Wendigo book, was, was a very good reference in, uh, to the, the phenomenon 
But Wendigos basically are a human phenomena uh, where a possessed uh, human will start to show cannibal-like traits and such and will be... Uh, it's not nothing to do with these, these so-called rake-like looking beings or these pale humanoid-like beings with blood and gore and all that. And the animals. Uh, yeah, it, 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 that's just not poor. That's just not part of what it is. I mean, the real Wendigo phenomena is is a human phenomena. You know, it's something where it, it always involves a human who either is possessed or is literally just nuts and goes off and, and does really terrible things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's that's what I think is going on with Wendigos. Yeah, which I can. I, I can completely agree with all that. I mean, the whole vision of them with the antlers and all that and the and the pale white skins, 15 feet tall. I mean, yes, I have seen Native American writings where they say they're 15 feet tall, but could they just be making that up for storytelling? Who knows? I mean... It's part yeah. of their lore. Yeah. I mean, it's like their boogeyman to keep the kids honest <laughs> for the most part. Shannon, what are you referring to with that? I can't think about what you're referring to with that one. Oh, she's she's talking about the woman who was attacked. That very well could be. There have been theories about uh, women being on menstrual cycles or or you oh, know, okay. are menstruating, and that a male cryptid or male uh, uh, Bigfoot will respond to that. I've heard that theory before. Yeah, the whole, I mean, that, that kind of ties into the whole Bride of the Wood theory where Bigfoot keep human women to breed with, which I don't know how much I believe into that one. It could be. I mean, I'm not going to discount it completely, but it very well could be. Hello, Ken. Good to have you here. And, yeah, I mean, it, it could be. I, I mean, I just watched, uh, what's his name's movie for Knights of the Round Table episodes of Derek Hayes podcast. Oh, he has a really weird name. Why can't I think of it? But basically, it's a it's a Blair Witch type movie where it's shot in first person and this couple goes camping in the woods and there's stuff thrown at their tent throughout the night. And then at the end, you see the husband being dragged off by something making Bigfoot-like sounds. And all of a sudden, there's this topless woman standing in the woods with blood all over and dirt and that's basically how the movie ends. I forget what... Oh, I can't remember this guy's name for anything. My God. Uh, I don't know why I can't think of his name. That's so snowing because in two weeks they'll be ovulating and I find... Well, I mean, dogs know what's going on with that with humans too. So why wouldn't a Bigfoot? I mean, sure. it's just that... It's that extrasensory smell or whatever ability it is that just lets animals know that. But what do you, since we were talking about Native American boogeymans, and I don't like to say the real world, so what do you think about shimwalkers? Well, the skinwalker is basically a, in, in a it'd be it the Navajo or uh, the Ute or whatever, or Hopi. Um, it, it's a witch, basically uh, a tribal witch uh, that... Uh, kind of goes off the rails and is able to transform into these uh, otherworldly beings, many times represented as a um, 
as an animal spirit or uh, and uh does it happen sure i think it may very 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 well happen is it uh, is it kind of um is you know is the phenomena kind of uh blown out of proportion in some cases may very well i've i've heard a lot of uh so-called uh, skinwalker encounters. People have seen these things running down the road alongside of trucks and cars, and, you know, and uh, that, you know, they, a curse is placed on a family and the skinwalker will try to get into the house and do all kinds of crazy stuff uh, that it, 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 this curse may actually end up killing someone by draining the life force, the energy from the individual, you know, it's, um, you know, the people, and the people I, you know, the ones, the, the, the tribe I have been involved with a lot of this have been the Dene Navajo in, uh, around the Four Corners area. And, uh, yeah, they believe it. Even the young believe it. So, uh, but it's a tribal witch, uh, uh, or it's, a it's a witch that, isn't necessarily a good witch, but it, it has the abilities to to uh, shape shift and then do this uh, it, the bidding of themselves or for someone else sometimes. So um, yeah, it's an it's an evil it's an evil transformation. Which do you think that's what happened at Skinwalker Ranch because that family was built on native land, or you know Skinwalker Ranch? See, the, the theory about the Skinwalker Ranch is it was an area that once was uh, part of the Navajo Nation when they lived in the area up in uh, southeast, I mean, northeast um, uh, Utah, and that the Ute Nation drove them out, and a curse was poured on the, the area of the ranch, and that uh, they would be cursed for all time. And of course, these uh, these Navajo moved down into the uh, into the into the areas around the Four Corners. I you know I don't know if that's true or not. It could be. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, reports that of uh, these type of uh, beings showing up that look like they're. Uh, indigenous beings and the such but as far as the other phenomena the ufo the uh, the canines the cryptic canines i'll be honest with you i i really don't buy into a lot of it uh i you know i i really haven't seen the proof uh sure they're they have the TV show now, which, you know, just like a lot of other cryptid and, and, and paranormal television shows they're they don't necessarily share the truth. They kind of just put a lot of production value into it. And, uh, you know, they got to sell advertising and, but, uh, I, I just really don't, um, I just don't buy into everything that they're trying to give us and they tell us. Uh, is there a portal there? Sure, there could very well be a portal. There could be several portals there. Uh, has there been UFO activity? Absolutely. But is, is it all one big ball of wax that, you know, this is one area where a lot of this stuff is showing up for whatever reason? I don't know about that. I mean, I just, I just have not seen the evidence to support that. And, 
So, um, I mean, that's basically all I'm going to say about Skinwalker. I mean, it's just really been, you know, I, you know, I, (laughs) I I have talked, I have talked to uh, George Knapp. I've talked to Comb Calendar about this and it, you know, sure. There's a lot of things that people have reported over time. It does have some strange activity, but, uh, you know, it's not any different than a lot of other places that have a lot of paranormal activity as well. Uh, it just happens to be one place. So, yeah, I mean, it could be similar to the Bridgewater Triangle or any of the other sure. triangles. Any of the other triangles on this earth. I mean, it's very possible. And they have caught UFOs on film on that TV show, Secret Skinwalker Ranch. But I, I mean, yeah, a lot of it could be fabricated for TV, or a lot of the stories before it could even be fabricated just to keep the legend going, keep, get people to want to go out there until the government bought the property for a good decade and didn't want anybody out there. But Well, actually, the property is owned now by the state of Utah. Oh, really? Yeah. And they I... actually expanded on the original the original property line that Bigelow had when he owned it. Um, they kind of moved it off about a half a mile and, and widened it out. So the state of Utah actually runs it now. Even though they're saying some guy owns it, the guy that's on that's not Brent, true. Brandon Fugal? No. It's a state, his, it's the state of Utah. Or his company that he works for, I believe they say he that they own it. But I'm actually trying to I've been trying to get him on this show, but I haven't had much luck. Because I wanna see I wanna try to get behind the scenes if I can. But as far as that goes. All right. We'll do one, maybe two more, then I'll let you go. But Okay. Let's go to my favorite cryptid ever. And I'm still trying to get us to do this in my other show, Global Strangeness, but we need people to vote on it for a show. So please listen this Friday or Saturday when we're live and vote for this one. What do you believe about the possibility of Nkole Mbembe and other living dinosaurs still being around, whether it be the raptor in the forest in South America, the flying pterodactyls, pterodactyls, whatever you want to call them, and just other things that have been in jungles. No, I think it's possible. Um, you know, I, I do believe that there are just like pterodons and, uh, and pterosaurs. I think that there are actually uh, some of these flying beings that are still either relics or they come through other dimensions to show up here. Um, if, if it is... Uh, if you go into the deepest parts of Africa and into the jungles of South America and other places, and you got large ground slaws and dinosaurs or supposed dinosaurs, uh, yeah, maybe it is. But for as far as being indigenous, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Could they be just cryptids? Uh, and they would be cryptids because they, you know, even though they they may, may have been a relic, they're not really supposed to be here at this time. Yeah. So. Exactly. Uh, I think it's possible, uh, but until we see the proof, I you know, it's just like the Bigfoot or anything else. I mean, you know, there have been expeditions and such to go out there and find these things, and they will talk to the native people around there, and they will give their interpretation of what they're seeing and what's going on, and and are they really seeing it? You know, everybody's everybody has their own perspective of what they're looking at. You know. They may be seeing something out there. It may not necessarily be what the researchers think they're seeing, but uh, I, you know, everybody has their own perspective, and uh, uh, 
you know, I think that maybe there's something out there, but not necessarily what they believe it is. Yeah, I mean, I like I always heard the legends and stories that for Mkoli and Bembe specifically, that the researchers that went out there, I think it was in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. they, show, they showed the natives pictures of all these animals like elephants, rhinos, and they all just kept saying no, no. And they showed them. And then they had a book of dinosaurs, and they op- and they opened it to, uh, I believe it was a, something like around a brontosaurus mm-hmm. type, and they, the natives all just shook their head like, yes, that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And supposedly it kills hippos as well in that river. It's in. I mean, they may very well be out there. You know, I, I, I who am I to say they aren't? I mean, uh, you know, just like all other cryptids that we investigate and people say are around, you know, what's the difference? They could very well be there as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, and just the fact that this one tribe in South America, like, worships a raptor-like being that lives in the forest, and they warn tourists not to go into the forest because you won't come out alive. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, it's, it's interesting to me. It's just, ever since I was a kid, and I picked up some book about cryptids I, I have no idea what book it is now i could never find it if i tried but the last page last couple pages was about the possibility of living dinosaurs and since then it just stuck in my head that whether this is a possibility so it's always been interesting to me and oh you have a question apparently do they share the same dimensions aliens and cryptids i don't believe so I think cryptids and ultra-terrestrial beings may very well change, I mean, uh, reside on the same, the same plane. But I think alien beings, extraterrestrials, uh, or portal travelers, and it may come from other dimensions or even worlds or universes. Uh, I, I think for the most part that cryptids try to avoid those type of beings. I could believe it because, I mean, they abduct humans. Who knows what they would do if they got or had the chance to abduct a cryptid? I mean, it'd be interesting. I never heard about that, but I now that I've said that, I kind of want to hear about that. But it'd be interesting to hear a story of that. But all right, let's go to one last one because I want to see if you heard this phenomenon because it's a newer phenomenon that I didn't hear about until a couple of years ago. And I've had a bunch of guests on that never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of mirrored men? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a feeling you'd be one of the people that would know about it, but. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I've had reports of people who have seen that, uh, you know, two, three different, you know, on a line that just show up. Uh, is it? I, I think if it's anything, it may be a time slip type of thing or time variation that just, you know, is maybe scattered by milliseconds and such. Where uh, is it a time slip or is it uh, some type of? Uh, uh, look into another dimension or some type or some way it's possible i believe uh i think theoretically it's possible but no i've heard that phenomenon yeah which what do you account to for the people who because i've heard a lot of stories people who said they've seen them and they lose hours of time without realizing it until they come to well then that 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 goes along the lines of a time slip many times people are involved in a time slip they will lose time um or uh, what they call some type of glitch in the matrix or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Uh, I, I think it does happen. Um, you know, time is a linear, basically. I mean, it's in, in, in that case, maybe we are coming, you know, we are, people are experiencing this. 
So, uh, but no, I've heard that phenomenon before. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's a from what I understand, it's one of the newest phenomenons in the paranormal world. Kind of. Oh, it's probably been going on for a long time. Uh, it probably has, but I think yeah. it's just been, with the podcasting and internet world today. I think it's been more talked about than it ever was. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you saw that, if you saw something like that, you would probably keep it quiet 20 years, 20, 30 years ago because you would people would think you're crazy. But mm-hmm. and I've also heard them theorize that they might be extraterrestrial in origin because as with extraterrestrials, there's usually time lost too when people like Barney and Betty Hill and whatnot. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, of course, no, we never can really know this stuff until something tells us it someday, but it's all theorizing at this point unless we find proof of it. But, well, I I think we'll call it a night unless unless you want to do more, but I mean, it's up to you. No, you know, well, it's fine. All right, well, then we'll end this episode. Where can the people find out about your books and you, Lon, if they want to find out more? Well, the website is phantomsandmonsters.com. We we blog daily. We uh, put our cases that we get or what people send to us on a daily basis. Uh, Many of these cases that people send to us that we investigate with the Phantoms and Monsters 14 research team, uh, that website can be found at cryptidhunters.org. Uh, I do a weekly radio show on Friday nights and sometimes on Wednesday nights, depends what we're scheduled at Fams and Monsters Radio and just put Fams and Monsters Radio into YouTube and it'll come up. Uh, we're involved with a lot of different stuff. And um, like I said before, if it's something that's interesting that I think that we can investigate or look further into and hopefully get answers, we'll get involved with it. But uh, yeah. Well, I thank you for coming on, Lon. It's been a pleasure to have you. I love having guests that know as much about different paranormal subjects as you. It always makes for a much more interesting show and someone I can always bounce things off of and get answers to, actually. It's always a pleasant thing. Okay, well, thanks for having me. Not a problem. And to all my listeners, as you know, you could find more about us at the Paranormal The New Normal Facebook group. And all my podcasts I do are there, so I'm not going to name all five of them here because that takes forever. So they're all posted there anytime they come out. And be sure to check out me the rest of this week on Parapost Network. I have different videos I'm streaming the next three days. So just go to Parapost and you'll see them scheduled. Thank you all and I'll talk to you next time.